Let us go to God in prayer. Come Holy Spirit, open our minds to see the power of scripture. Enlighten our hearts that we might see Christ in all whom we meet. In the name of the one holy and living God, to whom we give all glory. Amen. We're going to read the, the, the Bible lesson from Psalm, Psalm number 47. And as I read, let us listen for a word from the Lord. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under, under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a, with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God is King over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from Acts chapter 1. If you'd like to follow along, you can find that on page 884 in the Pew Bible. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the time or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, 
Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I want to try to do a simple poll of those of you who are in the sanctuary. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to show your church background. It's going to be very simple, but I completely understand if you choose not to participate. I won't hold it against you. However, we're going to give it a try, okay? It's really simple. Just raise your hand if it applies to you. So I'd like for you to raise your hand if you grew up in a Presbyterian church. Yeah? Okay? Decent number of hands showing. Thank you. Put your hands down. All right. Raise your hand if you did not grow up attending church. Anybody? Got one? Two? We've got a few, okay? Now here's the kicker. Raise your hand if you grew up in a church other than the Presbyterian tradition. Look at that. There are a lot of us here. Thank you so much for participating. You see, I think that sometimes we begin to assume that we all have the same church background, that we all grew up in the same tradition, and that we all have the same understanding of faith. But when we begin to talk about the scriptures, I think it can get a little hairy making that assumption. You see, I grew up in the Baptist tradition, and we didn't use the creeds. So in adulthood, when I joined the Presbyterian Church, I had to learn the Apostles' Creed that we say every Sunday. Now, perhaps if you grew up Catholic or Episcopalian, that transition wasn't as hard for you. Maybe the language was familiar. But recently, I've begun to think about the words that we say in the Apostles' Creed and wondering if we really know what those words mean. Because no matter our background, I think it's important that we understand what it is that we're saying we believe, especially the words about Jesus. We celebrate Christmas every year. And so when we talk about the birth in the Apostles' Creed, I think that we probably all nod along, right? Who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, that's a pretty familiar part of the story. A little over a month ago, we observed Holy Week and celebrated Easter. So when we say, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, He rose again from the dead. That tracks right with the journey that we made from a Palm Sunday parade to an empty tomb. But then we get to this next section of the Creed which I always say with confidence. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But I find that we actually talk about this part a lot less. In fact, when I think back to the Sunday school lessons I grew up with, I think oftentimes I heard the stories about the resurrected Jesus serving breakfast to the disciples on the beach And then, boom, the Holy Spirit has been poured out and the early church is doing her thing. 
And that probably has something to do with timing. As you heard in the scripture I just read, there's a lot of language around time. You see, in verse 3, it tells us that the resurrected Christ spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And this is probably where in many traditions the ascension of Christ gets lost. Because if we go a literal 40 days from Easter, well, that's last Thursday. It's during the week. Often we don't find ourselves at church. Now in some traditions, they will hold a special service and observe the feast of the ascension. But often, I think it just gets swept up in everything else that's going on. And so this morning, I want us to take a moment to pause and think about what's going on in the story of Christ's ascension and what might it be saying to us today. You see, the ascension is an important part of Christ's story. Jesus was dead. He rose again, and the disciples are enjoying his return. You see, they were worried that they were going to have to do life without him. When thanks be to God, he rose from the dead, and now Jesus is back and better than ever. Now is the time, they think, that he will restore the kingdom of Israel. Now is the time Jesus will finally make things right. And so, as they do, they ask Jesus, is it time? They're almost like children on a road trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Jesus, are you going to make the world right? Jesus, is this when the kingdom is finally going to be realized? Jesus does not respond the way they expect. Jesus' response is teaching them one last time what they are to be focused on. He says, It is not for you to know the times or periods the Father has set by his own authority. Some translations read the time or dates. Others say the time or seasons. In the Greek, Jesus is using two distinct words, chronos and kairos. The first word, chronos, is this earthbound word for time. And the second has much more spiritual meaning, a kingdom-focused view of time. And neither of them are at the mercy of the disciples. Both are under God's control. What is under the disciples' control, according to Jesus, is the message they choose to share. Jesus promises them the Holy Spirit and charges them to go and share what they have seen. Go and tell people what you have learned. And then it happens. Jesus doesn't outstay his welcome Jesus can't be confused of having founder syndrome. He doesn't stick around to tell them one more time what the kingdom of God is like. He leaves them. He ascends to heaven. The passage says, He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. 
Jesus ascended to heaven. Theologically, we also say that he ascended as in he took the place on the throne of God, with God, as our psalm was read just a few moments ago. But the text doesn't give us much time to dwell on this. We don't get to answer those burning questions of how does that physical body that Thomas touched get taken up into the clouds, which we believe then is a spiritual place? How do we transition from this physical to this spiritual? And what is going on here, Jesus? We don't get a chance to ask more questions because we are to be filled with the Spirit. We don't get to clarify what Jesus meant about timing because two men in white robes appear and call the disciples out. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? The disciples probably looked pretty silly. The disciples were expecting Jesus to what? Come right back down the way he went up? Excuse me, the two men in white robes say. Did you not hear Jesus? He told you what you were to do. So go and do it. Lately, I've been feeling a bit like those time-obsessed disciples. When? When? Jim and Whitney have been doing an incredible job with our student ministry, and the search committee is working so diligently and hard, and I am grateful that Julianne has agreed to step alongside them and continue to usher this student ministry, but when? When will our permanent youth person be here? When? Or, as I heard the heartbreaking news of a mass shooting out of Robb Elementary School in Texas this week, I couldn't help but cry out to God, Isn't this enough? When will it end? When will things change? As the psalmist asked, How long, O Lord? Perhaps you've been asking your own when questions, trying to understand a timing and seemingly hearing no response. Just as Jesus answered the disciples, his answer comes to us. The timing isn't up to you, but what is up to you is to be out there, in the world, sharing my love, being my witness. I love musicals, so much so that when I was a sophomore, I played a part in our high school's production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Thomas and I have even been known to dress up as newsies from the musical when we do Halloween. And I often sing For Good from the Wicked soundtrack to my children as a lullaby. 
I am a little bit obsessed. And because of this obsession, I've been slightly jealous recently because several of our church members have been posting on Instagram all of these wonderful trips to Broadway, seeing these shows, and I'm a little jealous. And so, since I don't have a trip to the Big Apple on my calendar, I decided to do the next best thing. I turned on Disney Plus, and I pulled up Hamilton so that I could sing along. And as I'm watching, I couldn't help but imagine that instead of those men in white robes from the scripture, the Schuyler sisters appear to speak to us as we're looking for this answer. If you've never seen the show, the Schuyler sisters end up being Hamilton's uh, torturous love interest. They are complex and delightful, and their sisterhood is quite unique. When they come on the scene, the eldest sister, Angelica, sings these piercing words. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Look around, look around. History is happening. And it's almost as if they're singing to us. People of Tallahassee, why do we stand looking up toward heaven? Look around. God is at work here among us. Look around. There are people who need to experience God's love and you're the person to tell them about it. Look around at what God is doing and go and be a part of it. Don't lose your focus. Open your eyes because right here, right now, is the place to which God has called us. And right now is the time for us to be present, to be a witness. Will Willimon is a professor at Duke Divinity School, and he says that these few days between the ascension of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost are a significant pause in the life of the church. I believe this pause is here for a reason, to help us take stock of what we know to be true. Look around to see how God is at work, to receive comfort that you are not alone. Look around. But it is a pause. It's like timeout during a game of tag. It's used to catch our breath. But timeout doesn't last forever. It's a chance for you to catch your breath so that you can get back into the game, to play with more energy so that it can go on. As the psalmist wrote, Selah, a guidance for us to pause. But then the psalm of praise keeps going. 
Jesus gave the disciples the answer to their question. It wasn't the answer they were looking for, and it might not be the answer I was looking for either. Time isn't your concern, but you are the answer. Be my witness. And just as I ask when, just as we look up asking, how long, O Lord, Christ has answered. Don't be concerned with when. Instead, go and be the answer the world needs. After the disciples take that pause, they get back to work, filled with the Holy Spirit. When we are able, I think we're called to do the same. May we take a moment to look around. And then, filled with the Holy Spirit, may we get to work. Let us go out and embody the love of Christ that our world needs. May we work to make this world look more and more like God's kingdom. To the glory of God. Amen.